This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Coffee, coffee, coffee fitness unicorn. Coffee, coffee, coffee fitness unicorn. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, coffee fitness unicorn, your pocket DJ. And you're listening to Coffee Chats Podcast, a show where storytelling and coffee hang out. Happy New Year and happy Friday. Today's episode is the first episode of the new year and the first episode of season three. I can't believe I just said those words. Season three. You guys have made me so happy. I can't thank you unicornos enough. It's beyond my wildest dreams to be saying uh, welcome to season three. And this episode is a fitness episode, part one and part two, with Steph Gaudreau, a fitness expert. And we're going to talk about the science behind New Year, New You, and why you should never just wait for something big and sweeping and large to happen and just start your fitness. So thank you for tuning in, and thank you for being here on the first episode of season three. Go forth and be magical. Hello, hello, hello. It's me, Coffee Fitness Unicorn, your pocket DJ, and you're listening to Coffee Chats Podcast, a show where storytelling and coffee hang out. Today's special guest is Steph Gaudreau. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. So you are, I'm going to call you a fitness expert because you're (laughs) you're a badass. You are a total badass. Thank you. I have your book, The Core Four, that I would like uh, you to talk about a little bit. And then um, we're going to talk about coffee is not a meal because I freaking love that. I love your videos about that. (laughs) And then um, maybe like some sciencey things about food and nutrition and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into all of it. So please, (laughs) please tell the listeners uh, who you are and a, a little bit of background before we dive into your book. Yeah. So I'm, a, you know, on my kind of businessy side of things, what I do is I am a performance nutritionist. So I really work in sports nutrition um, and strength training. So those are kind of my two wheelhouses. Um, I tend to work with women in their forties who either are former competitive athletes or just athletic people wanting, you know, something with fitness or athleticism to be part of their lives as either something they really love to do as a pursuit or something that helps them be better at life and have a more expansive kind of yummy and an amazing life. So that's kind of what I do on the professional side is work with women in that capacity. Um, and I also do other things, you know, I'm a podcaster as well and have had my business now and my website for almost 10 years, which is kind of, uh, kind of, 
crazy to think about, but I come from the world of science education. So I was a science teacher at the secondary levels, the high school level for 12 years before I left and, and sort of decided I wanted to do this thing on my own, um, and a lifelong athlete. So I really kind of found this amazing way to combine all of the things that I love. And now I just think I'm, I'm a teacher, but in a different capacity. So that's kind of the formal side of what I do. Um, you know, I'm like a, an introvert's introvert. I'm a crazy cat lady and <laughs> I also love coffee. So I'm glad that we're going to talk about that. <laughs> um, although I'm like iced coffee for life and I've been drinking iced coffee, even when I lived back in the Northeast and it would be the dead of winter. And I'd go to the, the Duncan, you know, drive through and get iced coffee in the winter. And they were always like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> But I'm sure we'll get into some of that stuff. That's awesome. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And I, I love that you specifically say like women over 40, because yeah. that is very important because obviously metabolism, hormones, things of that nature, these are all things that obviously you don't really think about until you actually hit it. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah, I did absolutely. it <laughs> in my there, 20s. Yeah, I'm there. I'm almost uh, 44. I'll be 44 in a couple months. And, um, yeah, it, things, things, especially if you have had an athletic background, you know, whether you compete or not, I think, you know, we don't define, I don't define at being an athlete as you're only doing it as a competitive level. Um, but there are so many of us that have had background as, as even as kids, as kids playing on sports teams or in high school or collegiate level, um, you know, professional or even semi-professional, um, after that. And so it's part of who we are, but we can't do the same things. We, we can try, <laughs> we likely can't do the same things that we used to do. And I always joke, you know, um, maybe you're in college and so you're in college, you're kind of staying up all night, studying or partying, I don't know, whatever, pick your, pick your, your track. I was always studying. Um, you know, you, you stay up until three, four in the morning, you get up, you slam a Red Bull and you go to the gym or, or whatever it is. And you're like, I feel fantastic. I'm on top of the world. And you're really robust and resilient. And we can't do that stuff these days. And I think, yeah, most, most 40 somethings, we're not pulling all nighters and then getting up and slamming a Red Bull. But what we are doing is we have a very stressful, you know, set of circumstances in life. Midlife is no joke, right? It's like the peak peak of adulting, I feel like. Totally. Um, we wake up, we drink just coffee or nothing. We eat nothing. Then we try to go to the gym or like trying to get back in shape or, 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 you know, build our fitness or whatever it happens to be. And we're like, gosh, why is this? Why do I feel like crap? Well, we're really not doing anything that's that different. Um, we have, you know, these stressors, oftentimes we're not well rested, we're not well fed, and and we just can't tolerate as much of that chaos <laughs> as as compared to when we were younger. At least like our bodies can't tolerate it. So things start to struggle, we start we start to feel not so great. Um, things start to fall apart with, you know, our, our performance, whether it's in the gym, outside of the gym, and we're like, wow, what's wrong with me? Well, you know, our bodies are, are shifting and changing and we just have to do things a little bit more wisely than we used to. Absolutely. And and obviously <laughs> hindsight being 2020, right? Like if oh. I would have known, yeah. um, and, and this is why I love your coffee is not a meal because I, for 30 years, that was my breakfast. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think about how much of a disservice I did to myself. Like if I think about like uh, just mentally, not even physically, not even, not in the gym, um, things of that nature. But if I think, the my mental performance 
would not have been such a struggle. And especially I went back to school. Uh, I started, I graduated grad school at 40. So mm-hmm. I was pulling all nighters and getting maybe two to five hours of sleep from 38 to 40. I, all my classmates were in their twenties. I'm like, I don't want to hear it because I got 10 to 15 years on you. So, mm-hmm. um, but obviously I wasn't mean about it, but I just, you know, like their struggle was definitely not the same as my struggle. I think about what you just said. You drink coffee. That's your meal. Uh, my first meal would probably be like a bag of peanuts, maybe around 10 o'clock. And I think about like knowing now, and this is the science that you and I like talk about. And I love, I love the science in your book and you tell what is happening in your body. And, you know, I'm learning from fitness experts, look back and I go, good Lord, my poor body and my poor brain. Oh my gosh. But I still, I still got A's. I was a straight A student. I studied and I would slam the coffee. So if I was to go back now, yeah, I would definitely, I would definitely eat a lot more peanut butter sandwiches uh, and eat bananas uh, in addition to all the coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, we have to also think about a few things here and I'm, I think in context is incredibly important in these conversations and, and sort of like seeing how did we get here? A lot of people our age, uh, we, we've lived through a lot in terms of nutrition and dieting and just what's been popular in the world and what we've absorbed through media and now social media on top of that you know we weren't we weren't facebooking in (laughs) in the 90s that wasn't a thing for us but we did you know we absorbed a lot from magazines and television in terms of constant dieting I mean you think of slim fast right uh a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch and a sensible dinner. You know, we, we've, we've grown up with these really messed up ways, frankly, of thinking about and interacting with food. And a lot of us, especially athletic folks did not have a great education in terms of what do we really need to, to fuel our bodies. We learned a lot through dieting. And now, as you said, in, in hindsight, we've had to we are learning now. And a lot of us in, in our forties are like, wow, okay. I've realized that I have like, I've carried a lot of heavy baggage suitcases full of diet culture stuff from my, my youth and my teens and my early twenties. And now I, I have to learn how to do things in a, in a little bit of a different way. So our, our, our society, you know, what, especially American culture is very much like, get up out the door in the morning, like go firing on all cylinders. It's easier to not do things sometimes than to do something new. So to your point with, you know, not eating breakfast or relying more on, on coffee. And I love coffee. It has so many amazing antioxidants and benefits and um, performance benefits as well. And at the same time, you know, even the point of reminding people that stimulant energy is not the same thing as food energy. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. and looking at those sorts of things. And then we get into our forties and we're starting to see at this point. So really once we start hitting kind of thirties, mid thirties, just because of, of what I'm going to call quote unquote, the aging process, we're starting to see a you know, loss of muscle mass decade upon decade, it actually kicks in when we're in our thirties. Um, a lot of people don't notice until forties or beyond. Now, of course we can help mitigate some of that through things like strength training, eating enough protein to support muscle protein synthesis, et cetera. 
but we, we start to kind of like get into the weeds a little bit where we're not as robust as we were when we were younger things, uh, we can't get away with as much in terms of just even what's going on in our bodies biochemically. You know, we're, we start to have a little bit of like anabolic resistance. If we're not eating enough protein, it's harder to build muscle. And then sometimes we have things like a surgery, we end up, um, kind of down for the count, high stress and, um, and even things like our muscle mass can take a bit of a hit. So it can be a little bit challenging to come back from that. And then we, we see things like we're not eating, um, for example, breakfast, we're not eating protein in the morning, uh, which goes again, very like kind of culturally, um, fits in kind of like the cultural norm in a lot of cases, but then we start to realize that we're, we're kind of ending up in this catabolic or breakdown state muscle breakdown state. We're not, you know, we're, we're not eating overnight. Most of us we're just, we're in bed sleeping. Um, <laughs> we wake up in the morning. This is like our best, our best time to get some protein on board, get some food in the system. And, um, it's just easy. Like I said, at the beginning, it's easier to sometimes not do things to remove things. And that makes sense. Like it's harder to build new habits. It's harder to give yourself the, the systems and structures and environment in your life to build in a new habit rather than to remove a behavior in many cases. So you can kind of see how we've ended up here, but again, to your point is kind of learning going forward what we need and, and really trying to take that on board while at the same time, wading through everything we've learned. I, I will say again, from diet culture is it takes learning and unlearning and, and that's, that can be a challenge, Absolutely. impossible, but challenging. Absolutely. And the, the thing with diet and diet culture is they're, you know, very short-term and long-term, short-term, long-term, right? So you go have the, the yo-yo concept and all of that. And, um, one of the things that I wanted to um, ask you about, and I've got it actually marked in your book here, you actually give dieting by the numbers on page 14, which I thought was really cool. Mm. And you give a, a bunch of statistics and I decided to, uh, the reason I wanted to do this particular episode with you for the new year is because I did the statistics in 2021, 50% of us, um, and I don't know how many out of the 50%, but it just said us households, 50% said, um, to diet and eat right and 48% said to lose weight. These are their new year's uh, resolutions. And these are the statistics. So literally, if you take the United States, 50% of the United States is saying they want to lose weight and eat healthy. Like, mm -hmm. that's just crazy. Mm -hmm. and, and But they're saying it specifically for the new year. And yeah. it's like, well, we should be thinking about that in general. Like why wait until the new year? So <laughs> my question, that's my question to you, like, and scientifically, if, if I don't know if you can answer this completely, but I was, what is the mindset? Why do people go, I'll start in the new year. I'll, yeah. I'll wait until the new year. Like what, what is that? Cause I don't, I don't use that. Like I, and I was messaging you, um, I started, at Thanksgiving, I hired my, my very first personal trainer in 2017, literally Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And, and after we started working together, she literally said, and I, and so we went through Thanksgiving and Christmas um, together. She taught me how to get through these holidays. And she said, um, you know, I'm so proud of you for getting through the hardest times of the year. And that's like always stuck with me. And so that's my question. Like, why wait? Like I literally, I could have waited. Mm-hmm. I could have waited November, December. I could have said, oh, you know what? I'll hire a new trainer in January, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, and I know that I'm, I'm probably the exception, um, but you have a lot of clients. Like what is the mentality? Why do people say I'll start in the new year? Have you noticed how Coffee Fueled Stories doesn't have any ads? That's because I work tirelessly to keep this show alive. After three years on my own, I've decided I need to ask for your help. I've never asked anyone to subscribe. I've never asked anyone to leave a review. I've never asked anyone to rate the show. And I've never asked anyone to pay to listen. There are a few ways you can help support the show. I've created a Patreon page, Coffee Fueled Stories, and a subscription section on my podcast website. It's simple to support and help me keep my dream alive. Just click the link in the show notes to set up your paid subscription option. It's that easy. Thank you for your support. Oh, I think this is a fascinating question. And I think it's very multifactorial. And I don't think there's any single reason, but I'll kind of give you my what I think are some threads that weave together here. The first is that many people put healthy and I'm going to use just for sake of simplicity here, that the term healthy eating here, um, knowing that that's actually a very nebulous thing, but I'm going to use the idea of what most people would say is healthy eating, which is like, I'm going to remove all these foods. I'm not going to eat any fun, pleasurable foods, what some people would call junk food. Um, you know, I'm just only going to eat like quote unquote healthy things. I think there's, um, this idea that we have to heavily, heavily restrict ourselves from anything pleasurable in order to meet a particular goal health wise, health marker wise, body size wise, weight loss wise, however we want to say that. So we get into these cycles where we, we basically adopt what I would loosely call the binge restrict cycle where we feel like we have to eat perfect. We have to eat perfect. We have to eat healthy. We have to eat healthy. And then we break at some point. We just psychologically and physically both that kind of deprivation, the psychological deprivation, because there is a psychological element to that and the physical deprivation. For example, if we are cutting calories far too low, or we are removing a particular macronutrient group or even a specific food and saying like, I never eat this again. That drives for many people, the desire for those things, what we would call the binge restrict cycle. And so I, I have the, I have the suspicion that for many people, they feel like this is a battle of will. They have to dramatically cut out every single thing they enjoy. And therefore it's easier to have your fun on the holidays and just like, enjoy that no holds barred style of eating, which is actually a remnant of the restriction that has happened at other times. And then that causes the desire to rein it in to get control 
to tighten things up and it makes sense for people like after the holidays are over, because let's be real in the United States, this, this starts, this is like a whole season. This whole season begins in October. Yes, absolutely. It's three, it's three months. October, November, December, October, November, December. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Yes. So we, we have this idea that like, it's going to be like three months where we have no control. We can't help it. Um, we have to just have our fun because then we're going to restrict again in January. I, I believe I, if, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if any like studies have ever been done on this, but I would suspect that that plays a main, a major role. Um, the second thing is this idea that January is like a magical clean slate opportunity. Why is January, January? Well, January is January because of like the Gregorian calendar and <laughs> the, the, you know, Roman calendars and, you know, this idea that January is January is made up. We needed a way to sort of figure out time and, and how time is cyclical in terms of seasonality and things like that. It's really, it, it doesn't have a real, like, it doesn't hold any power when we think about it. Yes. Okay. So yes. we can make change at any time. Yep. It's just that for a lot of people, it's become a symbolic time where we're starting again, like the calendar that was made up <laughs> and perfected by an old Pope in the 1500s. You want to talk about like peak patriarchy here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we we've made that like it turns over, it starts again. So why not start other things again? Why not make it a symbolic time of starting anew? Um, so that's a factor I would say. And, you know, the third thing we believe mindset wise is that we have to make a big, dramatic, sweeping change in order to get new habits started. It has to be, you know, I'm starting again. I'm going to make this big, bold, dramatic declaration, uh, which is, is interesting because publicly declaring your your goals can actually really be helpful in terms of making it real. And I would argue the reason why a lot of women, especially at this time of life, find it hard to follow through on their goals is they keep things to themselves. I think all, I think most adults can fall into this trap of, of some sort, which is like, I don't want to look like an idiot and fail at my goals. So therefore I'm going to keep things really close to the vest and not have account, not even accountability, but just like a partner or somebody that I can, somebody else that knows about what I want to do. And that makes it more real. But to kind of go back to the original point, I think we believe that in order for us to make meaningful change, change that sticks around, we have to do it in a big, sweeping, dramatic way where we change everything. We're going to go all out. And what that often results in is overwhelm. Because it's one thing to know what to do. I think if I asked, you know, how the Tonight Show, they used to go out on the street and <laughs> ask people questions. Jaywalking. I think if I, yeah, jaywalking. If I went into Times Square and I asked 100 adults, what are some things that you you would need to do? Like, what are some components of like living a healthier life? Most people would probably say things like eat more vegetables, exercise, get better sleep. 
be less stressed, like reduce my stress. We know what to do. It's in the, how do we do it? That the, the rubber meets the road. This is where we look at the systems, the structures, the habits in our life, the environment, um, whether it's physical environment, social environment that we're in. And those things, yes, we could change things very dramatically and quickly. However, I'll give you a quick example. I see a lot of coaches, health coaches, nutrition coaches out there, even fitness coaches who are like, you need to walk 12,000 steps or more a day. And I'm like, okay, that sounds nice. (laughs) And maybe you can even make it work for a short period of time. What is the reality of that? Especially if you're someone who doesn't yet have a daily walking habit, you need to carve out the time. Yes. You might need to say no to some other things in your life and adjust your priorities because 12,000 steps of walking is like over two hours of walking a day. Yes. It's a lot. It's a lot. So it could either be, you know, and especially if you don't have a, a, a job where you're on your feet and you have a more sedentary type job, which is a lot of, a lot of us, you would either need to walk for two hours in a row or two one hour blocks or four 30 minute blocks. You know, you have, you can think about how do I break this up? But the reality is, is that most people will not have the systems and structures and scheduling capacity in their life to go from zero to 12,000 steps. So we, we end up not meeting the goal. We feel like I need to be a hundred percent consistent to get the benefit, which is not true. You know, we, we're kind of, we fall into that all or nothing state of thinking. Like it has to be all the time. And I always tell people, let's say, (laughs) let's say you ate, like, you know, you just went, you went hog wild for a week. You ate, you had, you ate whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, there was no consideration for anything. Even if you did that for a week, a week, seven days out of 365 days, I just put it in my phone is 1.917%. So it's like 2% of your year. Now, a lot of people would look at that one week and they'd say, I wrecked everything. The, The reality is, is that yes, what we do consistently adds up, but rarely is it that one instance is going to make or break the big picture. Right. So when we see like the, you know, New Year's declaration, like I'm going to get fit, I'm going to eat healthy, all of these things, we forget that there is really no expiration date on this. There's no, like I do it for a week. First of all, a week isn't going to make much of a difference. It's, can you repeat what you did that week? You know, like 70, 80% of the time for a long time. Right. It's less in the extremes and it's more in that kind of middle ground. It's in the, you know, again, what am I stretching? Where am I improving little by little? But that's not the stuff that like appears sexy. We love, we love a transformation story. Human beings, we love a good before and after, whether it's, I mean, one of my favorite shows is Queer Eye, like Queer Eye. And we see like the transformation that was like a, a intense week that they did this transformation or home renovation shows. Right. They bring a cat, a crew of 20 to your house over a weekend and they completely redo the house. Right. So we, we see these like short, intense efforts and we're like, Oh, it's like so satisfying to see the change, but that's not going to happen for most people in the real world because we need time. We need to slowly change. We're going to make mistakes. It's like 
can we get back on the horse, so to say? And so, yeah, when people are like, well, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to get healthy. And I'm like, okay, so how many days a week are you going to go to the gym? And they're like six. And I'm like, well, how many days right now are you exercising? And they're like, none. (laughs) There has to be a middle ground in between the two. Yes. Right. We have to build in those, those, um, those systems, those structures in our lives, our habits and all of that stuff and be willing to have it not be a hundred percent and live in the gray area, but also say, well, okay. And one of my favorite little kind of, I'm not a big person in terms of hacks, but I like, I love this little mindset tweak and it kind of got popularized by James Clear in Atomic Habits, but it's existed for, for, for much longer than that's probably has a, an actual psychological term to it. And I don't know what that is, but it's the concept that if you miss one workout, or one meal kind of goes sideways or just try not to break the, try not to miss two in a row. So an example, I last year started a daily walking habit. I did not, my whole life did not walk daily as like exercise or just getting out. Last year I said, okay, I want that to change. I started with 15 minutes and I slowly worked up from there. Now I would say most of the time I get in at least 30 minutes a day now. However, if something happens and sometimes it does, I'll have an appointment. I don't feel like it. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just, it doesn't happen. I try not to let two days go by without, right? So if you wanted to say strength train three times a week, which I think for a lot of people is a pretty great, like middle ground, two or three days a week. If you have a a wonky week and you, you know, you miss a session, it's like, try not to miss the next one. Now, obviously injury or or illness aside, um, or, or big travel or something like that, just like in the context of your normal day to day, if you miss a session, it's okay. You just have to keep going. And I think that's kind of where a lot of us fall down in, in terms of, um, like why the new year is. It's an exciting time to set new goals. We feel motivated because of the the novelty and the you know the dopamine of the anticipation. Dopamine is all about anticipation of the result, of the outcome, of the it's like why do people love slot machines? Like oh, is it gonna be the big one? Right. Um it's can we can we temper that with some of the other things that I talked about. And I think that that's, that's going to set people up a little bit to be a little bit like have a little bit more longevity with the things that they want. Like, yes, we know that exercise is a health promoting habit. hundred percent. Right. It's like very, very important. It's good for our mental health. It's good for our physical health. It can look a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be the same. Everybody doesn't have to do the same thing. Just pick something you can do consistently, but you've got to take a long view. Like you're not, you're not going to get any results other than getting sweaty during the workout itself. Like it's, it's not going to change. Your body's not going to dramatically change in, in one workout. It's just not. Right. So we have to, we have to be willing to like keep and, and like the process and, and appreciate the process in some way, shape or form. There has to be like some more immediate thing that we appreciate about it. It could be that we appreciate the challenge of it and we like doing hard things and in kind of a controlled environment. 
Maybe that that's why it, it, it suits you. Maybe you like the mind muscle connection and the, the presence of when your strength training and that weight starts to get hard, or, you know, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you're, you're in the moment and, and you're trying to figure out this puzzle of human chests and you're not thinking about your bills and all this other stuff. You're just like in the moment. A lot of people love physical activity for that reason. It's meditative. It, it just, you get outside, like you've got to find something that you like about it or that brings you some enjoyment or satisfaction. So that was a really long answer um, <laughs> to, to a simple question, but I think um, recognizing that the best time to start anything was a while ago. And the next best time is today. It's, it's, and, and to your point, starting in November um, with a trainer, I actually think that the, the, the last quarter of the year is one of the best times to start because the gym is less crowded. Yes. Yep. You get to get in there, get the lay of the land. There's not as many people, especially if you're working out in a, in a public, you know, gym setting. Um, you get to like, just kind of do your thing without the, the new year's crush, because there's probably going to be uh, a crush of people around the new year and it's going to oh, be yeah. much harder to navigate. So get in there, get the lay of the land. Um, you know, but if you've, if you're listening to this and it's January and February, just get, just go, just start. The hardest part is getting started. Right. Absolutely begin. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, is it, and that, that goes back to, you know, mindset, like mindset is very important, which you, you talk, yeah. you talk about in the book, your book is awesome. And these are the things that like really resonated with me, the way that you have it organized. It's simple and it's concise. Like that is so my jam. Like my favorite thing is kiss, keep it super simple. Mm -hmm. I don't like to say, keep it simple, stupid, because yeah. I like to think I'm not stupid. So I like to say, keep it super simple. And your book is simple. It's organized. And you even give information to back up the, 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 the science behind it or the facts. Um, and I like that you have like break down a lot of those um, fitness barriers. Cause I remember like, you know, there's gym intimidation, right? Gym, gym, I don't even know how to say it. that word. Um, where you walk in and you're like overwhelmed and you're kind of freaked out and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to go hang out on the treadmill and I'm just going to like, right. And like the first time I walked into the gym, I had a little bit of that because I was a noob. I literally had no, <clears throat> excuse me. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I was doing it at 47. So, you know, when I was in the gym in the military, when I was younger, I literally went up to the biggest guy in the gym, the biggest guy. I went up to him, tapping him and he was huge. And so I'm like, you know, tapping the middle of his back beep, boop, boop, boop. and I was like, hi. And I was like 103 pounds. I was teeny tiny in the air force. I was like, can I train with you? And he just kind of like looks down at me. He was like, okay, you're going to have to do 150 crunches. Can you handle that? And I was like, okay. And you know, and I did, and I was on the crunch machine. I was doing the ab machine, you know, it was easy. Cause I had, you know, I was 103 pounds and I was 22. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And, but that was it. Like, that's what he told me just 150 crunches. And I was like, okay. So needless to say, uh, my gym experience was very limited, but getting back to mindset real quick. So that was my tangent, uh, smart goals. 